Thanks, G and Rachel. I think that music was appropriate because uh, it, it reminds us that how great thou art. Amen? Amen? Our God is great. Our God is great. Well, everyone, I'm super pumped this morning. And you know, uh, you know me, I'm always pumped, but I'm especially pumped today uh, because of my dear brother Dale and uh, Tom. They're here, and um, it means so much uh, to me that especially Dale giving me the charge and Tom giving the charge to our congregation that we are one body of Christ. Uh, you may not know that, but Dale and Tom was in the beginning of the whole process. Uh, they were praying for me and for our family and our church, uh, the church, and that really our prayer was, his will be done. Not my will, not Nick's will, or not Dale's will, or not Tom's will, or not Uptown Baptist's will, but God's will be done. And that was our prayer. Amen? And that's why we can sing, uh, listen to hymns and sing songs like, How Great Thou Art. You know, and I want us to refocus and remind all of us, really, it is all about God and how great He is. Amen. How great He is. And, uh, and you're going to hear me say it over and over again. And uh, you're going to he hear me remind you over and over again, that is, how great thou art. Amen. How great thou art. God is good all the time. Amen, amen. And I just want to thank all the pastors too and pastors and, and the elders that are coming uh, this morning giving up your Sunday uh, to be with us. Thank you for uh, joining us in this wonderful time of celebration of 40 years and also giving thanks to God for what he has done for my, our family as well. So thank you. Uh, we love you, and we will continue to pray for you. We are co-heirs in Christ. We are co-laborers, and we partner with you to reach the city for his glory. Because his brother Dale, uh, Dale said, we are the light and salt of the world, and especially in this town. Amen. And you heard me say last week that we're going to turn this Uptown Baptist upside down. Amen? Amen? It only took 12 men to turn upside down this world. But we got more than 12 people in this church. And we will turn the Uptown Baptist uh, Uptown community upside down. Not allow the community to dictate how the community is going to turn out. Not the way that how the, the, uh, the people or the influences of this local community, but the church. We are the church. We are the holy priesthood. We are the holy new nation. God has sent he, us here 40 years ago for his purpose. Amen? Let's pray and then we'll go into the message. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. We thank you, Lord God, for reminding us this morning how great thou art. We thank you how you have brought us together for one purpose, and that is to bring honor and glory to your name. In your name only. So, Father, I pray that what you see so far, that you are pleased. What you see so far, that you are blessed. And, God, I pray that we will continue to bless you, to, to continue to give you thanks and praise. 
And now, God, I pray that your word will be proclaimed and taught. May the meditation of my heart and the words that are spoken through this servant may be pleasing to you. In the holy name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Three weeks ago we started a, a series called Who Are We? And the first week we kicked it off by talking about we are who? Children of God. And last week we talked about we are citizens of heaven. And today we're going to focus on we are ambassadors of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means? We have been sent, we have been commissioned by God to be ambassadors in this world. On September 11, 2001, our country was attacked by a terrorist group. And that changed the world. It was a month before, actually, our wedding. And we're sitting and we're seeing what's going on. We were in shock. We couldn't believe it. We looked at each other and said, are we streaming? Or, you know, we're trying to pinch each other and say, is this really happening to our country? I mean, United States is supposed to be the, the most powerful country in the world. Who would dare to attack United States of America? But it happened. No one's invincible. Not even the United States of America. Only God is God. That changed the world. Today we are overwhelmed with gun shootings, violence, and riots. We certainly heard earlier this week that there was a shooting in Atlanta. And again, the shootings everywhere, in different parts, it's just uprising. And we experienced the riots and violence this past year. People don't feel safe anymore due to the fact that we have continued terrorist threats and the violence is increasing day by day. People are, say, are, people are saying, are we safe anymore? Our own nation that is supposed to stand together and to be unified is divided. People are against people. There are, there's a lot of hatred and pain in our world today, isn't it? People are looking for hope and answers in the midst of difficult times. I don't know about you, but I meet people all the time, and they're asking the question, is there any hope in the midst of this hard and difficult time that we're experiencing today? Is there any answer to these violent Crimes and riots that are continually plaguing our country today. This past year, we were hit hard with COVID. Many lives were taken from loved ones. Depression, anxiety, suicides were growing in the midst of, in, in the young and old. It didn't matter what age you were in, it was happening and it still is growing. The world was shut down this past year. As Pastor Mark said earlier, he thought it was going to happen only for, it's only going to be shut down for a few weeks. But it went on for months and months into a year. Now, I don't want to sound negative or discouraging. 
But this is the reality that we face today. Nor do I want to focus on the negative. But listen, please listen. But I want to focus on the message. A message that we must share with the world with a sense of urgency. Because the, the, the world needs to hear it. The message that we must communicate, the message that you and me, that we need to communicate to this world or to our community, to our uptown community is what? Be reconciled to God. God, our world, desperately needs to hear that message. Amen? Amen. They need to hear that God gave up his one and only son to reconcile the loss to himself. People are looking for answers. We give them the answer. I know the answer. I know the answer. You know the answer. We raise the hand because we know the answer. And who's the answer? And that is Jesus Christ our Lord and he is our Savior. Amen? If we know the answer then why are we so shy about sharing the answer? Communicating the answer. Communicating the message. If you and I know it, why are we so shy? Why are we intimidated? Why are we so fearful sharing the answer? What we know what the answer is. In my, in my high school year, when I was taking physics, I didn't do too well in physics. And uh, a friend of mine who was a good friend. When I tried to solve some, some problem, and I just didn't know the answer, and then he would come up to me and says, Nick, I know the answer. So he was gladly to share that answer with me. But what about us? We know the answer, but are we sharing that answer to this world that are looking for answers, looking for hope, and they have so many questions. So this morning, as we look into 2 Corinthians, we are going to discover that Paul is making a case that we are what? Christ's ambassadors. He's saying to the church of Corinth, he says, listen. We are called as Christ's ambassadors. And I believe Paul is challenging us as he challenged the church of Corinth. He says, you know the answer, and therefore you are the Christ's ambassadors. We will discover that as we study 2 Corinthians. And as his, as his ambassadors, we are called to what? Communicate. I share with Pastor Mark and some of the leaders, I said, I'd rather over-communicate rather than under-communicate. Because if we don't communicate, there's misunderstanding. And there's assumptions. Assumptions are dangerous. And so for, if we are Christ's ambassadors, that we must over-communicate who Christ is. We must over-communicate who, what, what the God the Father did to reconcile us to himself so that we would have eternal life. We must over-communicate. Amen? God did this for us to bring reconciliation. 
So turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. If you have your Bibles, whether it may be the, the book <laughs> or electronic devices or tablets like this, where you have the uh, Bible behind us in the big screen. If you could follow along. But before we turn to verse 16, I want to direct your attention to verse 15 because verse 16 derived from the verse 15. If you could just scroll down a little bit, you will see verse 15. And this is what Paul says in verse 15. He says, and he, he meaning what? Meaning Jesus Christ died for all. Did you hear that, brothers and sisters? Christ died for all. All. And that's what we must communicate. Christ died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was what? Raised again. Now for a non-believer, this is a tough pill to swallow. Because why would anyone want to deny living for themselves? I mean, don't they have the right to live for themselves? Because it's their life anyway. And that's what usually a non-believer would say. Why would I deny myself of my own pleasures? Why would I deny myself of my own joy or my own happiness? It's my life. It's my choice. That's why people are making a big case of pro-choices and, and all that. I'm not going to go there. But the fact of the matter is, it's their own life. But Paul makes, a, Paul, Paul makes a strong case here. And what does he say? He says, the strong case is that Christ, excuse me, Christ died for us that we may have a new life in him. You see, Christ did not have to die for you or for me. Christ did not have to die for the world. But he died so that you and I and the world have an opportunity to have new life. To have a new purpose and have a deeper meaning in life. How many of you have met people who said, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my me meaning, meaning in life is. People are just working because they have to work to pay the bills. They're not working with a purpose. They're not working with a deep meaning. That's why they're always looking for retirement. They said, as I'm retired, I'm going to go to Florida. Right? Because they have not discovered the true meaning of life. They have not discovered the true meaning of what they were created to be. Your life and our life, the life of people that are living is more than a retirement. More than about investing in terms of savings and for your future retirement. Life and purpose that God has given us is more than that. Jesus did not die for your retirement. Amen? Jesus died for you so that you would have a new purpose and new life. A new destiny. A new calling. And what is that? And that is to communicate, communicate the message that God gave up his one and only son 
for us to have life, to reconcile us to himself. Our old self died a Christian death, and we rose into a new creation in Christ. That's what it means to be born again. Are you born again? Amen? We have been freshly created by the hands of God. Do you know that? Do you know that? I want you to look at the person next to you and say, I've been freshly created by God. Say it, you know. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful, brothers and sisters? You've been freshly created by the hand of the mighty, powerful, righteous hand of God. Amen? I don't know about you, but that pumps me up and that excites me. That wakes me up in the morning. Not the alarm clock, but that reason alone wakes me up. And say, what can I do for today for my Lord who have freshly created me with his righteous, powerful hand. So the question is, how does that look like, Paul? And Paul explains in verse 16, he says, So from now on, as you are freshly created by the hand of God, so, now, so from now on, as a Christian, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Let me break this down. What does it mean? The Greek word for worldly is Saras means generally negative, referring to making decisions or actions according to self. So what Paul is telling us is that you, because you are a new creation, you no longer view other people by your selfish desires or self-centeredness or by your selfful gain. Because you are new, you're no longer doing that. Because you are newness in life, you no longer view other people by your earthly standards, but you view people by Christ's standard. You do not allow the world to dictate how you view other people. When we look at the media, what are they telling us? What are they telling us? You know, when you look at a a photo of a celebrity or someone in the, on the phone, what do they do before they put it on TikTok or Instagram or, or, or Twitter or whatever it may be? What do they do? They do a Photoshop of their face. They manipulate their face. And they, they present it so that it will look perfect. And what the world is telling us, well, when you talk to people, you have to, you, don't, you can't show your true self. You have to manipulate. You can't show your true self. But for us, as we are a new creation, Paul is saying, no, the way you view other people, the way that you view the world is through the eyes of Christ. He has given us a new perspective, a new standard. Before I became a Christian, my decisions and actions were based on myself. Does that sound familiar? 
what I wanted. I was very selective about who I was going to spend time with. I was very picky. To show love. I'm not going to show love to just anyone. I'm just going to show love to, pe to the people that takes care of me. And that God has, has my back. That I was going to only show kindness to the people that I already want to show kindness to. To accepting someone, it's all about if I want to accept that person or not. And when I was nice to people, it was mostly conditional. The mindset of the world is you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Isn't it the case? And so, one time when we were as a church where we were having a car wash to bless the local community, and we held out the sign saying, free car wash, free car wash. You know what happened? Do you think 100, 200 cars came in to get a free car wash? Zero. Nada. No one came in. Because in their mind, it's because if it's free, there has to be something behind it. There has to be a condition. There's no such thing as free lunch. That's the mindset of the world. Because that's how they act. When they do something nice for someone, they want something back. Hey, since I scratched your back, now it's your turn to scratch my back. They know it's conditional. So no one came in. A month later, car wash, donation, and minimum $10. Because we had a mission trip that we had to raise funds for that. And you know how many cars came in? Over 200. Do you see? Do you see the mindset of the people? And that best Paul is very smart. Paul knew that. That's why before you came Christ, you were used to view this way. But now, so now that you are a new creation, you don't think like that anymore. I fell into that trap. My being nice to other people is conditional. The worldly perspective, Sarox, was all about me. It was all about me. Look at me. Therefore, Paul reminds us, just in case we forgot. So, no, so from now on, that's what he says. From now on, you no longer live for yourself of your pre-Christian days, but now you have a new life in Christ, and your perspective has changed. How you view and treat others are different. Brothers and sisters, do you treat your fellow brothers and sisters the same way prior to your Christian days, pre-Christian days, the same way that you are tre treating them now? Has our perspective, how our view, and how I treat our brothers and sisters or neighbors or even enemies, are they different? Brothers and sisters, Brothers and sisters, how do we view and treat others is a reflection of our relationship and maturity in Christ Jesus. Amen? 
In latter part of verse 16, Paul says, Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. But now, after the transformation of being a new creation, the name Jesus that Paul sought out to destroy with such passion, now he changed. Remember, Paul passionately put Christians, men and women, children in, in prison. He was there when they stoned Stephen to death. He pursued Christians passionately. That was his life mission. But something happened. When he met Christ, it transformed him. That same passion that he was against Christianity, the same passion, the same fire. Now he's for Christ. And whether he's in prison, wherever he is, he preaches the gospel. Remember he went to Rome? And his dream was to preach the gospel in Rome. But where did he end up? In prison. But he said, devil... Even in prison, you're not going to stop me from preaching the gospel. Amen? He shared the gospels with the centurions and the guards. He had unlimited of guards coming to him because they, have, they change and they have different shifts. God used that. And those centurions and those soldiers, they went out in return, shared the gospel with their fellow soldiers and the people that they were working underneath them. See how God works. You can't stop God. You can't put a God in a box. The evil one tried to put God in a box by putting Paul in a box. But did, did the box stop Paul? No. So, Challenge for you and for me as we are his ambassadors. What is stopping us to communicate the message? What is stopping us? We're not in a box. We have the freedom. I told G a while back and I told the, the pastor, Mark, and then the uh, search community, I said, I don't want to fish in a pond. I want to fish in an ocean. Are you with me? Can you join me as a church of Tom Baptist? Do we want to fish in the ocean? Amen? I know Pastor Mark is a fisherman. But he has yet to take me out yet. I'm waiting, Pastor Mark. So we are fishers of men. Amen? And we're not called to fish in a pond. We're called to fish in the ocean. As Jesus gave that great commandment, great, great commission, go out and what? Make, out, make disciples out of all nations. Loved ones, are we making disciples? Are we? Or are you being discipled? If you're not discipling someone, then you should be discipled so that you can be trained. In return, you can disciple others. Remember, it's Christ's commission to us to go out and make disciples out of all, all nations. Amen? In latter part of verse 16, Paul says, though we once regarded again as Christ in this way, we no longer do. We no longer view Christ as 
just a, just a good man or one of the prophets. You all know that living in a postmodern culture, they don't believe in Christ. People don't believe in Christ. People don't believe that he is the way and the only way and that he is the son of God. Other religions, for example, most of the Jewish community do not believe in Jesus Christ. Some do, but most of them don't. Muslims don't believe in Jesus Christ. They believe that he was one of the prophets like Muhammad. Jehovah Witnesses don't believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's why they come to your door almost every day trying to convince you that he is not Jesus Christ. Just the other day I received a letter saying that they want to invite me to a service and it was from Jehovah Witness. They're working so hard to prove that Jesus is not the Savior. And so what about us? Are we working hard to prove that Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord? Amen. So Paul continues his, his case. Who we are, he says in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ means that we have been united in Christ by faith. Paul puts it in this new way. New creation has come. If you and I are united in Christ, new creation has come. And the old has gone. And the new is here. Uh, our family had this tradition from generation to generation. And coming from an a, a Eastern culture, uh, you know, we had this tradition in our family that my father would honor his father on his birthday in remembrance of him. And how we celebrate or remember his birthday is by the women would cook a very nice, elaborate meal. And that we would have this table uh, all set up against this one wall that is very clean. And we would have all the favorite dishes of my grandfather that the ladies prepared. And my father would also have the, the cognac or the, the bottle of expensive uh, drink that my father likes on that table. And, the, and it was kind of like a small ceremony honoring and remembering him. So what we do is that first my father would take it the top chopsticks and move it around the table, around the food, you know, so that the so-called spirit of my grandfather is sitting in front of him is now could enjoy the meal and the dishes that has been prepared and after he would do that he would take the the expensive alcohol or drink and he would with two hands out of respect pour it in the cup or uh, not a cup but a glass and after do that both he my father and I we will back off and we will bow three times uh, excuse me, second time. And then third time, it was my turn because I'm the son that I would take, pick up the, uh, the drink and then pour into the, the glass and then we would back up and then we would bow again. That's idolatry. Bowing. Remember, we don't bow to anyone but Christ, amen? That was a tradition that carried on over over generation. And when I became a Christian, I said, I can't do that. 
anymore. And I went to the father. I know that he was going to yell at me. Breaking the family tradition of father and son doing this. By the way, the Korean word for this is chesa. That's what we would do. And I went to my father and I said, Dad, I can't do this anymore. And I was prepared for him to yell at me. He said, what? What are you talking about? But by God's grace, he looked at me and he said, so be it. It's all God. Amen. God is powerful. Amen. You see, that was my old self. My new self, new creation, does not allow me to bow down to any man, anything in the world, except God and God alone. Amen? And you are a new self, and you are a new creation, and you cannot bow down to any idols or anything in this world. Amen? Only God is worthy. Remember what Paul said in 2 uh, in Philippians chapter 2, every knee, every tongue will confess what? In Jesus. In Jesus. Our new life, Paul reminds us again in verse 18. He says, all this is from God. God is the one who works behind the scene. And again, as I'm, I'm sure if you took a class with uh, Dale in the experiencing God, what? God is always at work, Right? And it is us that we join him in his work. It is not us who think that we are creative and come up with this great strategic plan or this plan that it is thinking that I own it. I, I, I should write a book about this because this is pretty cool stuff because it will sell because of this a program that I came up with or this idea. No, 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 no. We didn't come up with it. God's the one. And it is we who join him and not that he join us. We shouldn't pray that God bless the work that I'm going to do. We should pray that God allow me to join in your glorious kingdom work. And you give me the privilege to join you. Because it's all about you. And you're the one who's at work here. And Paul reminds us this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, the word reconcile implies a relationship is broken and therefore reconciliation needs to be happened. If Pastor Mark tells me, by the way, I got a permission from him last night. If Pastor Mark comes and tells me and says, I have a problem with Elder Doug. And we're heading, heading, head, we're heading butts here. And we have this conflict. And so when he tells me that, that he has a problem with Pastor uh, Elder Doug, that means that reconciliation needs to take place. Amen? That both men of God need to come together and reconcile the differences. Whatever that, that argument or that tension or whatever that was created, that needs to take happen, reconciliation. Now, if there is no need for reconciliation from Pastor Mark and Elder Doug, then Pastor Mark would not come to me and say reconciliation needs to take place. 
because the relationship is not broken. But only when the relationship is broken, the reconciliation needs to take place. So in the context of verse 18, the relationship between God and us was broken due to our sin, and that's why God took the initiative to reconcile us to him through the death of Jesus Christ. You see? If the reconciliation did not need to take place, then God would not send Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. But because it's broken, because of our sin, it's broken. Reconciliation needed to take place, and God the Father took the initiative to reconcile us to him. God meaning because God the Father who is holy and is loving, and on the cross, both the holiness of God, who hates sin, and loving Father, who loves sinners, were both met and satisfied on the cross of Christ. And that's how he reconciled us to himself on the cross. Notice in verse 19, Paul said this, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. Because we are in Christ, he doesn't count your sin or my sin because we're in Christ. Remember when Jesus, when he, he gave that final breath, and we're going to talk about this in the, in the Holy Week's coming, and he says, it is finished, it is complete, it is done. What does he mean? No more sacrifices need to be, take, be, uh, be needed. Because the perfect Lamb of God was sacrificed. It is done. Finito. It is done. That's why in Christ, Paul says, God does not count our sin against us. And we sang that song, grace, grace, right? Grace. Here's your sin. Here's grace. It covers it. But it doesn't not give us license to sin, does it? Because we experience his grace, because we experience his love, it motivates us, it encourages us, it challenges us not to sin. And that's what Paul reminds us too. Just as God reached out and reconciled us to himself, now he gives us what Paul says, and he has committed or assigned to us the message of reconciliation. That's the message that we need to communicate. We have been given a message to tell a message of a re reconciliation to a world that is looking for answers. So in verse 20, Paul says this, We are therefore, what? Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making what? His appeal to who? Through us. You are his ambassador. You are his instrument. You are his voice piece. You are to be Christ to others. During the time of Paul, Roman provinces were divided into two provinces. One was led by the Senate. And the one that does the provinces that were led by the Senate was normally a peaceful province. And therefore, there was no soldiers stationed in those provinces, provinces that the Senate led. 
on the other promise of provinces that was led by the the emperor and those provinces are usually uh, unstable a lot of riots and violence and so the roman emperor stationed many soldiers to it but he also sent and here it is ambassador to those provinces that was unstable and was full of violence and hatred. The Roman soldiers was not, their job was not to bring stability, but it was the ambassador that was commissioned by the emperor himself to bring stability. Paul seeing that, Paul experiencing that, he said, we have been commissioned by God I've been commissioned by God to bring stability in the midst of chaos. And so what Paul is challenging us and telling us, church, is that we as Uptown Baptist Church, as we as Christ's ambassadors, as we have been commissioned by God, is to bring stability in the midst of chaos. Amen? Oh, you can say better than that. We have been commissioned directly, as Paul said, that God is making appeal through us. Brothers and sisters, we have the great privilege and we have the great honor. Paul's message to the world is in the latter part of verse 20. He said, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now we see that first he said be the, uh, the message, right, of reconciliation. Now he's saying we implore you on to bring the reconciliation. Nowhere in the New Testament we see God being reconciled to man, but always man being reconciled to God. First and foremost, it comes from God. Salvation begins with him, God's great love for us. The world, he sent his one and only son. That is the message. Paul's appeal comes from a loving father to a wandering children to come home where the love of the father is waiting for him. Notice in verse 21, Paul concludes in God made him meaning Christ who had no sin to be sin. Why? For us so that he might become righteous the righteousness of God. Christ died for us so that we would be righteous before God. Loved ones, I'll end it with this. First, God reconciled us. And now that we are reconciled to God, that we need to go out and help other people to be reconciled to God. Amen? That's what we're called. During my high college years, uh, I had a good friend. His name was Song. And I shared the gospel with him almost every day. But he would not receive it. He said, Nick, right now I just want to enjoy my life now. Later, in my latter years of my life, then I will accept Christ. But now, I have no time for him. 
but I continued to pursue him over four years in college. I would continue, but he says, says the same thing over and over again. Nick, not now, not now, not now. After college, I entered seminary, and Song became a state trooper. His route was a 94. Once in a while, I'll see him in his squad car passing me by. We would joke around. He knows my car. I had a little two-seater. I'm driving, and then sometimes he would, you know, flick his light and uh, put on a nigger. Pull over! Pull over! And I'm not pulling, uh, I, I'm not pulling over. I'm just going straight because I know it's him. And all the people who are driving next to me, they're like, what in the world? What is this guy doing? He's not listening to the state trooper. And this went on for a while. But one day in the lobby that I was sitting on the, sitting on the table, having my coffee and listening to the news, Channel 5, I still remember to this day. And it says, late last night, early this morning, around 1 a.m., state trooper was killed. And my ears opened up and my eyes opened up more. I said, wait a minute, could it be my friend? And as I listened more carefully and attentively to this news person, and lo and behold, it was sung. What happened was is that he was working a graveyard shift at 1 o'clock. He pulled over a person because the person was speeding. He was parked behind the person, as you know how the routine is. And he went back into his car, squad car riding the ticket. This drunk driver went out of control, rear-rendered him, and hit his gas tank and exploded. And immediately, he died. The body was burned, so they had a closed casket. You see, you and I have a responsibility as ambassadors of Christ. Even though people don't accept Christ, we still have to communicate the gospel because we don't know when that person's life is going to be over. Amen? This person, he said, I have a full life ahead of me. I don't, have, I don't need Christ right now. I'll do it in later part. He died when he was 20, 25 years old. Life is precious. And that is why God gave, God commissioned you and me to be ambassadors for Christ Jesus our Lord. So may we, Uptown Baptist Church, never, never walk away from an opportunity when we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Father, that you remind us that you reconciled us to yourself, and therefore we have been commissioned as your ambassadors, as your representation, to employ others to come and be reconciled to the Father. So we have been given a great privilege and honor to do so. So Lord, I pray that we would receive it, we would welcome it, and we would do our part as ambassadors of Christ. So we love you, Lord. We bless you, Lord, for everything that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.